Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. I'm your host, Abby Lasmar, and today I'm so proud to welcome back a returning guest, Sister Halima Di Oliveira. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast, sis. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. It's a pleasure, a pleasure, a pleasure to be back. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, it's an honor to have you back here. And I'm so excited for this episode because you have a lot to talk about. But just to give an idea of for the listeners about who you are, if they don't know you yet, uh, Hanima is an award-winning author. She's a business consultant, and she provides proven strategies, tools, and resources to empower women of faith to start, sustain, and grow businesses that make a positive social impact. And she's also the author of the popular book and play that you might have heard of, which is called Not Without My Hijab. 11 Steps to Reclaiming Your Faith, which helps women embrace their religious identity. And most recently, which is why I wanted to bring her back on, she wrote and authored a book, Pray and Grow Rich, A Faith Choice, which talks about how to achieve massive success without compromising faith. So inshallah, we'll talk about that as well. And just get an update on what she's been up to, inshallah. So I'm so excited that I've been. Assalamu alaikum wa It's going to be exciting. Inshallah. Wa alaikum salam. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to be alive during this time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know it's a crazy time right now with everything that's happening in the world. I mean, subhanAllah, there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, we're doing this live episode right now, but this is during the time as well where, and, and I'm, I know that you're aware of this as well, where our brothers and sisters in Palestine are actually you know, going through a very challenging period, right? With the occupation with us ongoing right now, as well as to be honest, and, and what shouldn't be ignored, other Muslims around the world, like the Uyghur in Myanmar and so many others. So subhanAllah, there's a lot of challenge happening, but, you know, inshallah, we have to, you know, try to impact a positive change in whatever way we can as well on our end, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come to the aid and help them and, you know, Sister Haima, give us an update, you know, just a little bit of a casual update on what you've been up to this year in 2021. Last time we spoke, uh, you had, uh, you know, you still didn't write this book yet. Uh, you were you were, you were still doing coaching, uh, business coaching for women. You still had authored many books. You had, you know, created the play as well of Not Without My Hijab that's, you know, uh, been uh, launched across multiple states, mashallah. So what have you been up to since then in 2021? What has been your focus as of late? Um, you know, so I, this was prior to the pandemic, I think the last time that we um, spoke. So I think mm -hmm. the pandemic shifted, you know, my mindset and, you know, made me go even deeper and just say, hey, Halima, what else can you do? Right. So, mm -hmm. of course, you know, my 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 entire plight, it has not changed. So my plight is the empowerment and the upliftment of, you know, women of faith, specifically um, Muslim women. And, yeah. you know, just helping them to understand that their faith does not hold them back. If anything, it helps them to stand upright and it helps mm -hmm. to propel them forward. Right. So mm -hmm. contra contrary to what society would like us to believe. And so, you know, this book, Pray and Grow Rich, was birthed out of that time. This this book was birthed out of this out of that time. Everything that we're doing in 2021 and inshallah beyond was birthed out of that time, that time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sat us down right at the top of the pandemic. You know, just, you know, we were all praying, right? If we weren't praying before, we were really praying, you know, uh, 
you know, after the pandemic hit. And then right after that, we went into Ramadan. So we went into the Ramadan season. And, you know, I was fortunate to partner together with um, Amber Von Gratt. Um, she has gone on. Uh, she is, you know, serving in her own organization now. But mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, we were together for all of 2020 and part of 2021, just Mashallah. championing this effort, Alhamdulillah. So we make dua mm -hmm. for her that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she is blessed in every endeavor that she carries forward. And so here on this platform, we are continuing, um, you know, the journey. We're continuing um, the mission. So in 2021, my goal is to help a thousand women um, to, you know, grow their businesses. Um, and I particularly deal with e-commerce slash social impact. So I know this like, well, how do you make money and make an impact? And you can do both. You and I have had this conversation, you know, many times before and many of the people of faith that I speak to, this is what we talk about. How, you know, as a person of faith, you know, what, what drives me, what, what is the fuel behind the engine, you know, that is Halima, right? Um, is that, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm positively impacting the world, you know, from, you know, uh, an Islamic perspective, but also that I'm leaving some type of legacy that not only Muslims can benefit from, but the world at large can benefit from. And so I bring that to the table in everything that I do. And in 2021, specifically, a thousand women, my goal is to help them to either start, sustain, or grow um, a business. And we've been doing that through the Boss Hijabi Society. So the Boss Hijabi Society was created back in 2018 as an in-person brunch series. And where the play went, that brunch went. So mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, we were able to, you know, cross many states, uh, you know, through the brunch. But the brunch was specifically helping professional Muslim women like me. So I, you know, Muslim my entire life. But there was a portion of the of, of the time when I was in the corporate space where I didn't necessarily embrace my religious identity as I wanted to. And so, you know, my entire plight is to help to show that both of those things can go hand in hand. We can have, you know, we can we can have the goodness of the dunya without compromising our akhirah. And so we're doing that with Boss Hijabi Society. We're doing that with my business, BUNHD, which is a consultant firm. We're doing that uh, with that as well. So many of the clients that I come across, whether in one-on-one -on -one or group coaching, are Muslim women. And everything that they're talking about, these are women that come from corporate America. This, these are women that have six-figure jobs and, you know, do all of this amazingness at work, but they're not fulfilled in their work because they're not necessarily answering the call of their faith or answering the call that is upon them as a person of faith. And so my goal is to help them to be able to fuse those two things together and to be able to not only, you know, fulfill themselves, you know, in a worldly way, but also contribute uh, to society as a whole and be in lab, build those bricks, um, you know, for their home in the Akhirah, inshallah. So yeah. 2021 has been about, you know, mental health and helping women uh, to uh, grow their businesses, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. Well, wow, this is definitely a big mission. And, you know, it's a big goal that you want to achieve, mashallah, but it's definitely one that is noble and one that deserves to be shared. And Sister Hanim, we brought, we, you know, this is the second time we bring you back on, but we've had many conversations since our last podcast. We host a clubhouse room together every single week on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern. And, you know, we have lots of projects on the side that we collaborate with. And the reason is, you know, we align so well on that mission and together on the same values of trying to nurture that Muslim entrepreneurship and help people grow businesses that make an impact. And with what you've released so far, which is an interesting, an interesting title, interesting book, Pray and Grow Rich. Tell me about that and tell me why you chose that title specifically. 
Absolutely. So um, I have read, and I'm sure every single entrepreneur, and if you haven't, go read this book, right? Uh, the name of the book is Think and Grow Rich. Um, it's by Napoleon Hill. Every single entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur needs to read that book. And I have read this book several times. And uh, just last year, I started reading the book again. And I was already thinking about um, writing a book that, uh, you know, partnered together, you know, faith and finance, faith and business, faith and entrepreneurship. I was already thinking about that. And so, you know, as I was, you know, thinking about that, I was reading the book, Think and Grow Rich. And I was like, well, you know, yes, we can think and grow rich. But before we we start this thinking, we have to make this dua, we have to make this prayer, we almost have to, you know, ask Allah's, you know, permission, you know, uh, to to go about these things. And so for me, it was like, no, the first thing I do is I don't think the first thing I do is, you know, um, if I if I think I want to do something is I pray. And so, you know, for me, I was like, well, what would that look like? What does prayer look like? And at the time I was reading this book, Think and Grow Rich, I had attended a seminar, um, a little short one day seminar. And um, the sister that was hosting the seminar, she was talking about Hajar alayhi salam. And she was talking about her entire plight in the desert and, you know, working, you know, just, you know, her husband, you know, leaving her and her young son in the desert. And of course, you know, that Allah is the one who, you know, asked, uh, you know, the prophet, um, you know, alayhi salam, to, 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 to leave the two of them in the desert. And, you know, just this, just hearing her story about, you know, her perseverance, about her tawakkul, about her faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, just the dua that she made. But then in her actions, she was also praying. So even, so it wasn't just, you know, us sitting on our prayer mat or, you know, in sujood, you know, us making these duas. After the duas, then what do we do? You know, our, our actions are also the completion or the continuation of the duas that we um, pray. And so I wanted to bring that together um, in the book and not just only talk about, you know, being successful, um, you know, in the monetary, but also being successful, um, you know, in the akhirah getting richer in faith. So Pray and Grow Rich um, is talking about money. Absolutely. It's about changing our mindset, the way that we as people of faith think about money. But it's also talking about, you know, our actions and how our actions can help us to grow richer, how our actions uh, can help us to grow richer in faith, can help us to grow richer in knowledge, can help us, of course, to grow richer, you know, um, in wealth. But then also, what do we do with it? So, you know, as, you know, people of faith, we have so much uh, responsibility. Uh, you know, one of the chapters is the amanas, right? So the trust, the things that we have been entrusted with, you know, the five, you know, take care of the five before five. One of those things is our wealth. You know, one of those things is our youth. You know, the different things that Allah has entrusted us with to take care of how are we utilizing that? So are we just sitting there idly and making these prayers and, and waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, you know, shower us with his blessings? Or are we working like Hajar and moving between Safa and Marwa and doing our part, you know, praying, but then, you know, the action behind the prayer and, and, and meeting our destiny, right? So, you know, uh, you know, part of, you know, praying grow rich is praying. Um, you know, you, the goal is for you to grow rich in this life. So in the dunya, but also to grow rich in the akhirah, right? And understanding that what we do in this life helps and fuels uh, the akhirah, And so meeting our destiny. So Hajar alayhi salam, we know in the desert, you know, she ran between uh, Safa and Marwa and, the, and then the angel Jibreel alayhi salam, he came and then he stamped his feet, you know, um, you know, to the ground and then up you know, gushed what we now know as the well of Zamzam, which was named uh, by Hajar because she was just crying out, Zamzam, like, stop, stop. 
And so now we know that as the well of Zamzam and what a beautiful legacy. Um, but all of that, uh, you know, started with one, Adua, her faith, uh, you know, just that tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but then also her action and her movement. And there's just so much, so much that we can take from that story. And I wanted to capture that um, in the book, Pray and Grow Rich. I wanted to capture the beauty and the richness of Islam and how we can utilize it in a practical way here in the dunya so that we are successful here in the dunya and we are also um, successful in the akhirah, inshallah. Well, that's extremely beautiful, Sister Hadiman. I love that. And I know for myself that I will definitely be grabbing a copy of this. I know many already have, and you've just restocked this recently as well. So there are some that are available. So tell me a little bit about what people can expect. And is this really just for entrepreneurs or is this for any Muslim woman of faith that reads this? And is this also for Muslim men? Can, can Muslim men read this and be inspired and, and benefit from it? Absolutely. So, you know, my entire flat platform, you know, we pick up the girls, right? We pick up my sisters. But everything that we do, um, you know, can be easily digested by both um, genders. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for me, you know, if I were a male reading this book, it would be, you know, something that I could use to say, hey, this is the plight of, you know, a female Muslim woman, you know, that goes out in the world, whether she's in entrepreneurship or not. So whether, you know, she's, you know, in her career or in entrepreneurship, this woman goes out into the world, how can she make a positive impact? I know for me, you know, I spent 20 plus years in the corporate space and I did great, you know, six figure salary, you know, nice car in the garage, beautiful home. And it afforded me all of these things in the dunya. But one of the things, you know, that Allah instilled in us as people of faith is that we have to be doing something meaningful. We have to be doing something that not only benefits ourselves, but benefits other people. Yes, we do for our family, but then we have a responsibility to the community as a whole. And I'm not just talking about community of Muslims. I'm talking about humanity. You know, um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was, his message was sent for all of mankind. And so as Muslims, we understand that we have a responsibility, um, you know, to that. If we're a scientist, we're creating, you know, the cure for cancer. You know, we, we, we have the cure for, you know, COVID. You know, it was two, you know, Muslims that, you know, helped towards, you know, that, you know, vaccine, alhamdulillah, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a responsibility not only to our ourselves personally, we have responsibilities to the Muslim community, but also globally. And so, you know, for me, you know, I, in my small little corner of the world, my little, you know, apartment here in New York City, um, you know, I think that, you know, I can make an impact. There is something that I can do that, you know, I can help the, you know, the world as a whole. And so I take that responsibility very seriously. And, you know, I think that it's important for all of us to find our own little corner and, you know, put it out there and do something in the world. I never would have connected with you, Abby, if, if we were, if we were only thinking small and we were only thinking about our small corner in the world of the world, I would have never met someone that's all the way in Canada. You know, I would have never traveled to Morocco like two years ago, you know, to do the things that, you know, I, you know, that, that I love to do. And, you know, to, to find my way, you know, um, in the world and to do the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written, you know, um, for mm -hmm. me, you have to be, you know, available, um, you know, to that, you know, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely, definitely. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, it's something that we have discussed together as well, which is, you know, trying to help people find what it is that they can do that is uniquely their superpower, right? What it is that they can bring to the table and what talents and God-given talents they have within them that they could utilize to benefit others, to make an impact and in turn benefit themselves 
at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a very important thing. I want to ask your opinion on this. Do you believe, you know, for Muslim women that might be listening to this and even Muslim men, right? Some people might be thinking to themselves, you know, I'm interested in entrepreneurship. I think it's a pretty interesting thing. Uh, maybe even a lot of Muslim sisters, I'll listen to this podcast and they might be thinking, you know, um, what you do sounds amazing, but I'm not sure if it's really the right path for me. How, how can someone, you know, figure out or find out if entrepreneurship is for them or if they should embark on this path? I think that entrepreneurship, so some of us were created to be entrepreneurs. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to say that it's, in, it's yeah. in your blood, but then entrepreneurship finds us, right? So uh, this is not my first stab, you know, BUNHD LLC is not my first stab at entrepreneurship. The Bossy Jabby Society is not my first, you know, stab at, you know, entrepreneurship. You know, I ran a cleaning business for um, many years. Um, I also, you know, helped my ex-husband to run a construction company, believe it or not. Uh, also a tractor trailer company, believe it or not, right? So, uh, you know, for me, entrepreneurship uh, is in the blood, but I also think that entrepreneurship finds you. And, you know, and, and, and there's a second part of it, you know, as, you know, people of faith, I think that there's a, a sense of ownership that we need to have and entrepreneurship creates that sense of ownership. You know, uh, one of the things that I saw during this pandemic, even within my own family, right, Mem members of my family lost their jobs during the um, pandemic. And these were businesses, thriving businesses. And it, all it took was, you know, to be two or three months, you know, where their workers couldn't go to work and, you know, perform the work. And then these businesses closed down. And so, you know, while we are working for these other corporations and please, you know, uh, in no way am I taking away from, you know, a person who works a nine to five job or who has a job, right? If it's putting food on the table and it's providing for your family, by all means, you know, pursue it. But there's also a sense of ownership that we need to take over, um, uh, that we need to take over, right? So we need to have our own ownership over our lives where someone cannot dictate to us the income that we're able to have. Someone cannot dictate to us, hey, this is the amount of money that I'm going to give you and this is what you have to take and whether that provides for your family or not you know that's neither here nor there this is what I'm able to give and if you are show, showing up to you know this job you have to take it so you know and I think for me what pushed me to finish this book Right. And what pushed me to say, you know what, the time is now to create this program. The time is now to create this 15 week Build Your Boss Biz grant program that we uh, created and started in January. Um, what, what pushed me to do that is, is that, you know, if not now, then when and if not who, you know, then, then, <laughs> then you know what I mean? Like I'm the person. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the person. Allah has put this idea into my head many times over the years, right? Create this platform, you know, build a business that helps, you know, women, you know, and particularly women of faith, Muslim women, you know, we have so many ideas, uh, you know, we have the know-how. I don't know how many years of school we need to convince us that we're capable, right? That's, this is how I speak, you know, to the women that come. We, you don't need another year of school. You don't need another, you know, anything. You need to just get started, right? And mm. and and Allah will show you the rest of the way and Allah will send you the people. If you are making any duas, make the duas that Allah gives you strength. Make the duas that Allah sends you the right people, um, you know, to come across, to be able to teach you, to show you the way and to help you be you know, along the way and to send you the customers if it's, you know, clients and customers um, that you need. Absolutely self-doubt. I saw that yeah. comment yeah. Um, there, subhanAllah. I saw it. I so what I saw it's kind of long. So, you know, for, you know, to just, you know, say to you, you know, um, you know, just the person that, you know, is in doubt, you know, entrepreneurship finds you. 
you know, something that you are passionate about. You know, we're, we just talked about, you know, some of the things that are going on in the world, right? Most recently, mm -hmm. we know, uh, we know the place, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how many businesses are going to, you know, spring up as a result of that? You know, as a result of, you know, that incident, you know, those incidences in the last week of, you know, Ramadan, right? How many, you know, businesses, whether they are nonprofits or whether they are for profits, but specifically uh, working with social impact, how many businesses are going to spring up because of that? How many people are going to look to grow their businesses so that they can financially fund the rebuilding that needs to happen all over the world, right? But specifically that, you know, um, how does it go? You you probably know this better than me, but, you know, um, you know, the Ummah, you know, when one part of us, I forget the, mm. the, the saying, yeah. you know what I'm going to say yeah definitely you know, well when yes yeah, so when one part is in pain then the entire body feels the pain right absolutely mm. and so for me you know um even talking to you I, I we had no idea that this was going to happen and then that this podcast was going to you know episode was going to air but i pray that whoever is watching this even if you had a small inkling to create a business i pray that you bring it into fruition this year and if you need people to connect with to support you to you know be your cheerleaders connect with abby Please, you know, I'm available as well, even if it's a DM, even if it's just following our pages and every single day you coming to the page and you're getting a little bit of empowerment, you're getting some inspiration to be able to do it. But the time is now for more Muslims to be in entrepreneurship and, you know, just looking for that one thing that sparks you and that fuels you. Just find that one thing. Just find that one thing that sparks you and fuels you and then add upon that. You know, BUNHD was just the idea of me wanting to empower more women who are in the corporate space, who are Muslim, who may be, you know, doubting them, doubting their faith or doubting the fact that they can be covered and Muslim and be, you know, uh, seen as, you know, important or as it be seen as a person of value on their team and, you know, front face as, you know, a covered Muslim woman. I knew what it was like to be on both sides. You know, I spent part of my corporate career uncovered although I wanted to be covered, right? But I didn't know if I was going to be taken seriously, didn't know if I was even going to have a job, if I came up, you know, dressed the way that I am. And then the final years of, you know, being in the corporate space, I said, hey, you know, this is who I am and I can't keep, you know, um, hiding who I am. And, you know, the moment that I stood in my power, the no moment that I stood in my full identity, um, you know, I didn't necessarily get the support that I needed, uh, you know, from the, the corporate space. And I ended up leaving my job, but I did gain the confidence that I needed to be the person that I wanted to be, to be 100% Halima. And, you know, being, you know, a covered Muslim woman and a covered front-facing woman is important to me. Um, it is something that I value. It is a part of my faith that I value. And I value it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala values it. And so, you know, if Allah has put it in the Quran, you know, he has made specific ayat for it. I'm going to front face that way. And so, you know, it that's how BUNHD was built. It was built on, you know what? I am this woman and I know plenty of women that are in the corporate space that need this type of empowerment. And if they cannot stay in a corporate job dressed the way that they are in their full identity, well, let's create some enterprises. Let's some create some businesses where we can, um, you know, create our own streams of income and we're not reliant on a, you know, corporation that doesn't necessarily uh, fully support us. Right. So they put support, you know, everything else, as long as you don't show up looking like it you know, you're okay. But the moment you show up looking like it, we may not be able to stand behind that. So inshallah, you know, being able to create platforms where we can be 100% ourselves and support 100% of the things that we want to support, inshallah.
Inshallah. Well, honestly, Harima, whoever listening, listening to this podcast, if ever you guys, thanks to this podcast, end up working with Halima. Trust me that I would never be happier. I would never be happier and more honored because I feel completely confident and, you know, just I like sending you people. I, I know for a fact that they will be taken care of and that you will do your best to nurture them and to, you know, help uplift them, inshallah, as Muslims. And so they have no... No, no hesitation whatsoever to bring you on this podcast and to help promote your, you know, just what you do with everyone that follows Merpreneur and that is part of our audience because it is so powerful and it is so important and it deserves more awareness, mashallah. So you definitely have my support and my backing and you know this already. Um, <laughs> definitely. And, you know, mashallah, you were just sitting there, you know, you know, saying all of this and I was behind, I was like, Keep preaching, sister. Keep preaching. Keep doing. Keep saying what you're saying, mashallah, because it is something that needs to be said. Sister Halima, let me ask you, because we talked at one point about self-doubt and you mentioned it, right? And you talked about that. And I think it is, subhanAllah, I don't know if it's just a, a problem with the Muslim community. I don't know if it's, you know, just a larger problem and it probably is. But, you know, there is definitely this, this mindset within the Muslim community. And I feel like I witnessed this a lot of, I'm incapable, I'm not enough. And it might be because of the discrimination we face. It might be because all our countries that represent us as Muslims are, to be honest, very backwards at this at the moment. It could be for a multitude of reasons, but how can we overcome that? And does your, does your book actually help with that? And does it talk about it a little bit? It does, right? Okay. So um, part of, so one of the ways that I write is I always share my own personal story. And I think mm -hmm. that it's important for us, you know, both as people of faith, so that's all of us, right? Muslims specifically, and then women, right? So this happens a lot amongst women is we don't share our stories. Mm -hmm. And for me, sharing my story is important because it helps us to feel not alone. It helps us to understand that, wait a minute, there are more women that are going through this. There are more people of color going through this. There are more people from my part of the world that that, you know, have been through the same experiences that I have been through. Right. That are going through the same thing. I thought I was on an island by myself. I thought it was just me. And so for me, it's important for me to share my story. So throughout every single book that I have written and I'm leaving that I share some type of story. And there's always and, it, and th this happens in real life. So this is not me like, you know, picking a story or anything like that. This is, you know, Morocco did it for me. So you will hear a lot about my trip to Morocco, even on the black cover that's behind me. This is, I'm Inshallah. actually at um, the Bahia, is it Bahia or Bahia Palace um, mm -hmm. in uh, Morocco. So uh, that is actually where I'm sitting at on the front cover of this book. And I gave, came, I, I got a lot of epiphanies um, when I was in Morocco. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through you know, the traveling through the villages, through traveling through the desert and these different places that we went through, what happened is, is I was able to see in real time, you know, what people were going through in Morocco, specifically, you know, the poor, some of the poor people, you know, in some of these places um, in Morocco. And I was able to attribute it to a time, I grew up poor. I grew up here in New York City, we were poor, you know, one of six children, my parents, you know, scraping together, you know, every little coin that they could get to send us to Quran school, doing all of these things, right? And I was able to take the correlation of what I was seeing in present time and go back to a time when I was young. And I captured that in the book. And I tell the story about what was the lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was really teaching me when I was young and I didn't catch the lesson, that I didn't catch the lesson that Allah was trying to help me to understand that, you know, poverty is a gift. 
right? So mm -hmm. when I when I grew up, it wasn't for me to go through what I went through where it was like, you know, I have the house, I have the car, I have the prestige, and I have all of these things and look at me sitting pretty. It was for me to understand that, you know, I went from, you know, being in this state of poverty to now being in a, in a place where I, you know, in abundance and, and I had, you know, wealth and, 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 and excess, what was I supposed to do with it? And when I took that trip to Morocco, that it was the epiphany and the, the light went on, hey, I was supposed to give back, right? So during this time, the reason why I didn't feel fulfilled was because the only one that was benefiting from the rich, the riches, the only thing, one that was benefiting from all this work and the wealth was me. It, it, what was supposed to happen and alhamdulillah is happening now is, you know, I'm supposed to give back. I'm supposed to share, you know, with other people. I'm supposed to go to these places and to uplift these people and to empower these people. You know, one of the things that we did, you know, when we were in these villages is we showed these young people that through hard work, through going to school, that it is possible for you to pave a, a different life for you and to pave a different life for your family. Don't worry about these four walls. Um, in this specific, particular village that I mentioned in the book, I, I mentioned it at length. I spent almost a whole chapter, uh, you know, talking about this experience in this village where, you know, they're making bread. Uh, so I tell the story of the bread maker um, and her son. So, but you have to read the book to know the whole story, but I'll give you the overall, um, you know, gist. And that is that, you know, she's making bread today and, you know, her and her family may be in poverty today, but one, if not all of her children, I believe she had six or seven children, um, this woman, just poor. I mean, when I tell you poor, poor, subhanAllah, mm -hmm. and, but happy. They had faith though. They, you know, they had faith, you know, sending their children to the Quran school that is in the village, man, faith you know, having more faith than us that we have so much more. But anyway, um, you know, just seeing, you know, this child and being able to instill the message in this child that inshallah, you are the way out, you know, for your family, you are the way out of poverty for your family, but keep, you know, the humility, keep the humility that, you know, poverty has afforded you and understand that, you know, when you make it, when you make it out, it's important for you to come back and to help, you know, one, two, 10, 50 people um, from your village um, to um, come back out. So, you know, for me, there, there's so many messages um, in, um, you know, the book. And I also talk about piety and poverty and wealth. Right. So there's a lot of talk about piety, poverty and wealth and how all of the three, um, you know, go hand in hand. You know, um, poverty is to help us to understand what we're supposed to do, um, you know, in the event that we are um, wealthy or when we, we when we have excess. Right. What we're supposed to do with it. Um, you know, the piety piece. Right. So whether we are poor or whether we are wealthy, the, the humility and the piety that we are supposed to have as people of faith, as Muslims, inshallah. So, you know, I talk about that, you know, um, at length in the book. And I pray that, you know, women, you know, pick this up. So women of faith pick this up. I pray that, you know, women who are in the corporate space, uh, you know, pick up this book. And I pray that we change our mindset. I spend chapter two. Chapter two, I'm specifically, um, you know, talking about dispelling money myths. And I particularly talk about how people as faith, how we are keeping ourselves back and we're not understanding the true definition of wealth. Right. So, you know, during the time of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, many of the Sahaba and the Sahaba 
Habiat were actually wealthy, right? So they actually financially, um, they were wealthy. And look what they did, did um, you know, with it. They funded the advent of Islam. So, you know, money only becomes evil and we only become impious when we're not doing, you know, the right things um, with, you know, the amanas that we've been given, including money, right? And so, you know, part of my book was to help you to understand that, you know, it, it, having money, you know, having, you know, an extra two or three zeros, you know, at the end of, you know, your bank account does not mean that you are impious. How you utilize it is where, you know, you know, it can become like, mm, wait a minute, what's going on? Right. So, you know, understanding what we're supposed to be um, doing with what we've been given, inshallah. Definitely. And I know we've had many discussions on this, actually, me and you and about the relationship that Muslims have with wealth and money. And I want to ask you a really simple and brief question, which is, do you feel that there is a need within our community to rewire the relationship that Muslims have with wealth and money? And is that part of the discussion? Of course, that takes place within your book. It does. And so, you know, part of the conversation um, is going back to that story of Hajar alayhi salam, right? So financially, you know, money-wise, she didn't necessarily have money, but by, you know, that gushing, you know, well of Zamzam, she was smart enough to put stones around it and to contain um, the well, right? So she was smart enough to um, do that. And, you know, until today, there's money that, uh, you know, comes from that particular well. We all benefit from it, you know, during the month of Ramadan, for sure, many of us, you know, buy Zamzam water. Um, and, you know, so so many of us, you know, still um, benefit. So that that well is still, you know, producing, you know, an income stream until today, um, you know, subhanAllah. So one of the things that we are doing, and it's a disservice to us as a community of, you know, Muslims, is that um, we we take this stance that, you know, um, you know, we don't necessarily have to um, possess money. But if we want political change, if we want, um, you know, the rights within our community, we all of that takes money, right? So, you know, I remember a sister, you know, she's working to, you know, have Eid celebrated in all schools, right, across all 50 of the United States, right? So being able to, to for the children who are Muslim to be able to have at, off Eid, right? And so, you know, that took money for her to do that. I remember, you know, her doing a, a fundraiser, you know, for it. And, you know, her mother, you know, helped her with some of the money, donated, five, I think it was like $5,000 at the time. That takes money. That takes money for the e-decorations that she puts into the schools. It takes money, you know, going to the schools and saying, hey, you know, this is something that is needed. Going to the politicians and saying, this is something that is needed. We need to have off for this particular day so that our children don't miss out on the day of school. So we are a part of the societies that we live in, right? We are part of these countries that we live in. It is important for us to have the representation and it is money that is going to fuel and fund these things the way that we believe, right? So if we think about it, um, you know, Quran schools are not as prevalent as they were. I'm 43 years old, right? So when I was young, Quran schools were prevalent. Quran schools are not as prevalent as they used to be, you know, here in the United States. That was a part of, you know, our curriculum, right? That was a part of our Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We went to Quran school, right? And, you know, there may have even been a, a, a Wednesday during the week that we also went, uh, you know, to Quran school. Many of that is, is, is not happening right now. Some people just don't have the additional funds or the Quran schools are forced to close down because, you know, they're just not getting the, the funding um, that is needed. So the things that we 
care about, the things that we, uh, you know, that are important to us as a Muslim community, it takes money in order for us to be able to, um, you know, fund those things. So if we are not acquiring the money as a community, if we're not acquiring the money individually, you know, as Muslims in the community, and then bringing these programs back and funding these types of programs, how do we expect for Islam as it should be to be practiced and to be and, and to go forward, right? Um, you know, we want Islam to look like 100% of Islam, like the way Islam looked and was practiced 1400 years ago, but we're not investing the money um, in, in, in into doing that. You know, we're going outside of our community for many of the things that we need. You did a video that was just so poignant um, and I, it looks like it's going viral um, on Instagram. And it was talking about, you know, helping a Muslim business um, just for the sake of helping it. Um, yeah. You can probably speak better to that. But I think that that video was so necessary. I just liked it today. I just saw it, uh, you know, today and I just liked it today. Michelle, that wow. video was so necessary. And mm. we need to be doing more of that. Um, I forget the brother's name. I think his name is, um, uh, is it Abdurrahim? You just interviewed him. Uh, Abdurrahim Green, yes. Abdurrahim Green. He yeah. said something, um, the conversation that we had on, you know, Clubhouse on mm -hmm. how, you know, we're we're in sales, marketing and finance. Our Both of our, you know, plights, you know, our platforms are, you know, helping, um, you know, Muslim entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Why go out, uh, you know, to be coached when there are Muslim coaches right in the community that we are doing the work, right? That we are seeing the results, we're doing the work and, you know, we're here for you. Um, and we're stopping when it's prayer time. We are, you know, making sure that, you know, we're reminding you of your faith, right? So we're bringing in elements that, you know, a different type of coach may not be able to bring, you know, into the equation just because they don't share the same belief system as you. And so, you know, part of it is us understanding that, you know, we have a responsibility to help uplift one another. And that's by supporting each other in our businesses. And we also have a responsibility for keeping the dollar circulating um, in the Muslim community in every possible way that we can, um, you know, inshallah. So I think it's important for us to change the way that we think about money and, and, and that we stop thinking that money is evil. I cover that in chapter two. Money is not evil. What you do with it and how you utilize it is what makes it, you know, good or bad. And so how can we use it in a more positive way, inshallah? I think those words were completely necessary and definitely some that we need to keep in mind in the forefront of our minds as entrepreneurs, especially and as Muslims, because, you know, so many entrepreneurs that I work with, including myself, sometimes we feel like, you know, it's wrong to try to be wealthy. It's wrong to try to you know, shoot for those big goals. But ultimately, what is the intention behind it? And we also know from the Prophet Sallallahu right? So indeed, deeds are judged by their intention. So what is your intention? And we know that there are many companions of the Prophet Sallallahu who were wealthy themselves. And as we mentioned earlier, so eloquently in the podcast, that they used those funds to support the Muslim community in a time where they were struggling very much, right? And and they didn't have resources and they were actually being boycotted from the non-Muslims, uh, you know, when it comes to trade, water and essential resources to sustain themselves. So definitely something that can either be used for good, for bad, or even just for something as simple as providing for your family, which ultimately is good because yeah. we all know uh, of that story as well from uh, the pro time of the Prophet Sallallahu where he walked into um, a masjid and there was a man who spent his days and nights in prayer. And he asked him, um, you know, how do you spend all of your time here? Who, who takes care of you, who sustains you? And the man said, my brother works and he provides for his family and he provides for me so I can spend my time, you know, all of my time in prayer. And he said, well, your brother is better than you. 
right? So subhanAllah, right? And you might think like, wow, really this, you know, someone praying all day at the mosque for some providing for themselves, their family, but that is as well, we know that, you know, work that is done in a halal manner and halal earning is ibadah, it's worship, right? SubhanAllah. And these are the beautiful things about Islam that people don't think about. Honestly, when you think of, wow, just, just by working, I'm doing a good deed. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. As Muslims, we have that bonus. We have that benefit. On the day of judgment, when you show up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you know, you're going to be like, I, I did my nine to five, oh Allah. You know, it's like, well, that counts towards your book of good deeds too. SubhanAllah. So that's that's beautiful. I want to ask you, uh, before we dive into some Q&A, inshallah, we'll take some questions from the audience. But I want you to share with me maybe maybe a fa- one of your favorite chapters from the book or maybe one of your favorite quotes or something that you talk about in the book that that you feel is your favorite part, something little, something special that you've included in there. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek without revealing too much because I still want people to order and make sure they, they read the whole thing. Inshallah, my favorite chapter of the book is chapter three. Mm-hmm. My favorite chapter of the book is chapter three um, and the name of that chapter is The Women. And the importance of that chapter, both for male and female, the importance of that chapter is uh, something that is missing, you know, from the foundation of Islam or the way that it is talked about in practice today is that the the, the contribution of the women of the society, right? Um, you know, in this particular chapter, my goal was to showcase, you know, five amazing women, great women of Islam, anhuma, from the time of the Prophet um, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or, for, or from times past. Hajar Alayhi Salam is one of the women. Khadija radiallahu anha is one of the women and Nusayba radiallahu anha is one of the women as well. And what we can extract from their lives, the lessons that we can extract from their lives and how we can apply them to today. And um, I think that that is missing. I think, you know, for women of faith, in order for us to feel like we have a place within the Muslim society, within the society as a whole, because this society, you know, as a whole is not necessarily geared towards us, especially as practical practicing women of faith. For us to practice our faith 100%, it's, it's not geared towards us, you know, and many of the places, you know, our hijab is not allowed, right? Uh, we're seeing this, you know, in the news, you know, or, you know, we have to make modifications to the way that we do things, you know, even praying sometimes in at your workplace is, you know, uh, you know, shun, right? So, you know, for us, you know, as people of faith, you know, being able to practice our, you know, faith 100%. So in this particular chapter, it's about creating that foundation of faith. It's about creating that connection with Allah subhanahu and understanding that no matter what we go through in this life, no matter which obstacles we have in this life, that if we remain firm in our foundation of faith and in our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will help us to see, you know, help to see us through any particular circumstance, no matter what the obstacle, no matter which the, what the circumstance is. Um, you know, something that, you know, we just came across is a young lady who, you know, wanted to, you know, ask for her worth at her job, right? Ask for her worth at her job and she was shy to do so. You know, if you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can, you know, answer your, your duas and prayers, if you can believe that he can help heal your sick mother, if you believe that he can help you get the job, what makes you think that he can't help you to go to the next level of your job? What makes you think that he can't make it easy for you to be able to cover, you know, in your workplace, et cetera. We just had in Newark, New Jersey, which is a a state over from us, um, where uh, they are now able to wear hijabs. The police, uh, you know, are able to wear hijabs as a part of their uniform. You get with the right people, you continue um, the mission. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you, you, you have to have that faith that what you believe, what you 
um, you know, think should be, or, you know, what you think, you know, should happen. Um, if you believe in it enough, you have to understand that it's going to take lots of dua and it's going to like take lots of action, inshallah. And so for me, chapter three was really about, you know, empowering and uplifting um, the women. Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about when you look at successful societies throughout any period in history, and I name some of the periods of history, if you look to, to the societies that thrived, look to the women. Where the women thrived, that society was a thriving um, society. And so if we hope for the Muslim, you know, ummah as a whole to, to, to be well, we need to start having more conversations with the women. We need to be putting the women in the forefront and asking them about their ideas. When you look to the Prophet of the Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who did he look to, um, you know, for uh, advice? Who did he look to for, hey, what's going on? What's happening, you know, in the community? He looked to his wives. He looked to to the women. You know, they pulled back that curtain and, you know, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was talking, you know, to his wives. What do I need to be talking about? What is important? And, you know, it was them, you know, speaking up. Some ayah of Quran we know were revealed as a result of them speaking up. Surah and nisa the whole surah you know, revealed, you know, to, to empower, you know, the, the, the women of the society. So for me, chapter three was extremely important. And I followed up chapter three with chapter four, which is the cure. And the cure is what do we need to do to go forward? What do we need to do to move forward? So those two chapters there are extremely important for us as women to read and extremely important for men that are looking to empower women, that are looking to uplift the voices of women, read those two chapters, um, inshallah. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that, Sister Hanima. Thank you so much. And I, I want to, usually I kind of give the space to give a call to action towards the end of the episode, but I want to, I want people to know now that, you know, the iron is hot, where is it that they can get this book? Where is it that they can go and read the whole thing? Because I mean, mashallah, just from what you're sharing here, the energy, I mean, the, you could feel the passion behind everything that you're sharing. And it's absolutely wonderful just to witness it and to be part of it and to be here, you know, being the one to see, speaking to you, mashallah. I can't even imagine what it must be like to be listening to this as well, just focusing on everything you're saying and internalizing it. So share with us, if you can, where is it that people can get this book? Where is it that they can go and purchase it and read it, inshallah? Absolutely. So you can head over to my website, which is www.halimadeolivera.com, and you can purchase an autographed copy. Um, if you are in other parts of the world. So I've had people as far as Denmark uh, purchase this uh, book. Um, so they purchased, they wanted the autographed uh, copy. Um, so the hardcover is available on my website as an autographed copy. Um, you can get the soft cover or the ebook on Amazon.com. So you can mm -hmm. just type in uh, Pray and Grow Rich, Halima de Oliveira. And uh, if you are in another country or if you're looking to get the soft cover or ebook, Amazon.com. If you're looking for the autographed uh, version, head over to my site, www.halimadeoliveira.com. Love it, mashallah. Love it, mashallah. Amazing, amazing. All right. So we're going to dive into some audience questions. Normally, I do ask. You know what, let me, I'm going to ask it again because I have this question, you know it already, because I've asked it to you before. Hopefully you don't remember it, but it was what you would say to yourself, to the you know, young Hadima who's just starting off, she embarking on this journey of entrepreneurship, one thing she can hold on to. And I'm going to ask it to you again to see maybe the answer has changed with you know everything that you've been through over the last year. What would you tell the young Hadima who's just getting started, she's thinking about getting on this journey and um, you know she needs that one thing that she can hold on to to, to help her along the way. You know, I'm coming across this word, uh, Sakina, 
right? Mm -hmm. So this uh, word uh, Sakina is something that came to me, you know, in Ramadan. And, you know, just that, you know, um, just knowing, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has got me. You know, just, you know, being in the state of, you know, Sakina and just trusting Allah, you know, trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knowing that um, in, in the beginning, in the middle and in the end, Allah will be with me through all of these um, steps and trusting that, you know, everything that is happening along the journey um, is, is, is meant is a part of the qadr and is a, and it is meant to shift and move and and to make me better um you know be idlila so if i was talking to young halima or i was talking to you know a young uh you know muslima right um what i would say to her is is to just keep going and understand that allah is with you the people may leave you uh the money may go uh, some of the resources, whatever the case may be, may go, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always with you and can, can continue to keep that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as that connection um, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is firm and, you know, you, you know, you, you pick up your phone or, you, you know, you use the Wi-Fi and it's connecting, you know, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as that connection um, is sound, you will be able to get through anything. Allah will send the people. Allah will send the resources. Everything it is that you need is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't worry about the people that may be barriers in front of you. Don't worry about, you know, um, you know, the, the, just the obstacles um, that you may come across. Don't worry about any of that. Allah will take care of that. Allah will pay, place you in places and in rooms that you are not necessarily qualified to be in, that you may financially not have the money to be in, but he will place you in the necessary rooms uh, for you to learn and for you to have your voice be heard. Bi'ithnillah. For this. Thank you so much. We're going to dive into two or three audience questions that we have here, inshallah, as well. Give our audience members, you know, a little bit of a, uh, some time and some attention as well, just for being here and for showing our gratitude to, you know, listening to this podcast and, and being part of it, mashallah. So one is from our Facebook user, um, and she's asking, how do you navigate through a system blocking your progress, right? Here in Germany, it's extremely hard to break through and start a business acceptance, if at all, comes very hard. I think we touched upon that actually through many different uh, discussions throughout the podcast, but do you have anything specific that you'd like to, to give to the sister? Of course, you know, I'm going to say, you know, tawakul, right? So of mm -hmm. course I'm going to say that. And sometimes, you know, I will add to this in that sometimes you have to go out to come in, right? And so the beauty of, you know, the time that we're in right now, both, you know, in COVID and also just, you know, from a te technological, um, you know, standpoint is the fact that we have technology on our side. So we have the ability for a podcast that can, you know, um, you know, go across, you know, uh, seas, right? So sometimes you may have to talk Target an audience that is outside the the actual system that you are in um, in the country that you are in, and you know create the program, build the program, you know have the people that will come, and inshallah, once it is established, once it's it's built, and people are able to see, wait a minute, you know there are people that are supporting her, you know this program has some financial backing or it has the people backing, etc. Then you can come back and you can um, bring it, uh, you know, to the country where you are. So sometimes you have to go out to come back in. But one of the things that I will tell you is if you're starting out in business is to think 10 years ahead. And 
as you think 10 years ahead, think about whether your business is a million dollar business, whether your business is successful and how many people it's helping. I want you to dream big. I want you to pray big. And I want you to think about what 10 years from now looks like. Close your eyes and dream about what my business looks like at its highest, at, at the best that I could have possibly done. And every single day, no matter what's happening, no matter what's happening in your four walls, I don't care if everything is crumbling around you. Remember the fact that you said, that in 10 years, this is what's going to look like. And you operate in that. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll go back to the not without my hijab play. Financially, we had uh, the money to be able to rent a room that cost $300 or $400 with about you know 20 or 30 people. But mentally, I was thinking about what the what I wanted the play to look like to the world. What I wanted a play that was about hijab, that was about identity, that was about having a positive, you know, mental, uh, you know, idea about Islam and about Muslims and about Muslim women particularly. I wanted it to look prestigious. I wanted it to to just operate and just look like this excellence. And so, because I wanted that, the theaters cost fourteen thousand dollars. And we, I didn't, I didn't worry about how I was going to do it. I just said, Allah, you said, you gave me the name. I did not come up with the name, not without my hijab came to me after I came out of sujood one day. I was asking Allah, Allah, what am I supposed, what is this supposed to be? How am I supposed to do it? I was asking all of this in sujood. And as I came out of sujood, the words not without my hijab came. And when those words came, I just moved with not without my hijab and I just moved forward. There were obstacles where people told me to change the name. You need to change it. That name is too, you know, forthright. That name is too much, you know, like you know you're coming too hard with it <laughs> you know you have to you have to wash it a little bit you have to, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know ease us out of it you know um a little bit and i said mm, nope that's not that's 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 that uh what i was told so mm. you know i have to keep going with it and you know alhamdulillah allah brought the people allah brought the funding allah brought the the backers um and you know and just the 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 community supporting me i had never been to any of these places uh you know i'm from new york city but i had never you know put together you know something at the brooklyn academy of music if you look up the brooklyn academy of music it's the theater that you go to right before you go to broadway right who do you think you are halima to think that you're going to put on a successful play at the brooklyn academy of music and by allah's permission we sold out all three shows when we debuted um here in New York, almost a thousand people, um, you know, that that came to the show, busloads of people from all over. It is it, it, again going back to you, like you said, the nia, the intention, um, and making sure that your nia is in, is strong, making sure that um, you know you are going into business for the right reasons, that you, that you are going into a business, that you are going into an industry where. Um, you are so passionate about it that you would do it for free. Um, and mm -hmm. I talk about this, you know, not that we're not getting paid, but if you would do it for free, then you know that, that that's something that you're passionate about. Because when you remove the money, when you remove the applause, when you move, remove the people that are backing you, is this something that you are going to continue? Is this a mission that you are going to continue? Because there will be times where the money is not enough. There will be times where there are no people that are willing to support your cause. There'll be there'll be times where you just don't have um, you know the resources, but you have to push through. And alhamdulillah, you know, I'm telling you this from my own experiences, both with the play and every other project that you know I have taken taken on. Um, is that, you know, Allah gives you reprieve right when you're about to give up, 
right when you're about to give up, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going, and Allah gives you a reprieve, and Allah knows, okay, she's reached her limit. Let me help her out a little bit. Let me send her the people. And Alhamdulillah, you know, as Allah, you know, did that, then that was the fuel that I needed to to keep going and to go to the next level, inshallah. MashaAllah. Well, you definitely have some people in the audience right now that you've definitely, you know, really inspired and touched on a deep emotional level. And mashallah, we have people that are sharing goosebumps, people that are, are teary-eyed from what you're sharing. So mashallah, it's just so powerful. Um, everything that you're sharing with us on this podcast. And we got a few more questions, mashallah, that are coming in. So we're going to try to, to get to a few of them as well from the audience. One is from uh, Sister Danny on YouTube, and she's asking, Making that transition in the corporate world from an uncovered woman to a covered woman, can you elaborate on that experience? Have you been discriminated against? So that's a very good question, actually. Very powerful. Jazakallah khair for um, answering that question. And I will tell you exactly what, um, you know, happened um, to me. And so, you know, for me, you know, like I said, 20 plus years in the corporate space in the area of sales, uh, you know, finance and marketing. And, you know, uh, not many people that, that look like I look now um, in that space, right? And so, you know, that was part of, you know, the barrier for me when I was initially starting at 20 something years old, you know, going mm -hmm. into that space, you know, am I gonna be taken seriously as a covered Muslim? woman and I spent a time where I was uncovered um, you know in the you know in my corporate job and you know the last seven years of the time that I spent you know being uncovered you know and you know wavering in faith right um, you know the last seven years you know there was this pull on my heart you know and I know we all know it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and basically calling me back and saying hey you know you've got to do something about this you've got to choose right and so you know for me you know um, a lot tested me a couple of times. So first he tested me with, hey, is this something that you really want to do? And I began, you know, practicing, you know, wearing like a turban, you know, wearing, you know, just just a covering on my head, not necessarily the covering that I'm wearing today, but a covering. And then, you know, as I got comfortable with that level, I moved to the next level, etc. And, you know, at first it was looked at as was like, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, is this a part of your dress and all that kind of stuff? And then, you know, beginning to have the conversation, you know, while I'm Muslim, and, you know, this is the way that, you know, I dress, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, when I started, you know, covering the way that I, you know, cover now, I was still wearing my, my suits, you know, just, you know, I had a longer, you know, like tunic that was under my suit jacket and my suit pants. And then, of course, you know, my, my hijab as I wear it today. And yes, I was discriminated against, you know, in, you know, the particular town that I worked in, uh, there were not many Muslims in this small town. This this town was like two miles long, right? So it was a very small town, very close-knit um, town. And I was not um, welcome there at all. And, you know, I had, I was harassed, you know, by some of the clients there. Um, you know, there were times where I would have people come into my office and take pictures, all different types of, um, you know, stuff. And, you know, for my job, you know, it was controversial in that, you know, how do, how do we address this? You know, do we move locations, you know, in that kind of thing? Because at one point, you know, my safety, uh, you know, was, was kind of in jeopardy. But one of the conversations that I had with my supervisor at that time is I spent, you know, the last, you know, uh, you know, decade or so you know, not covered and not, you know, fully embracing my Islam. So, you know, now I'm being presented with this opportunity and I feel like it was a test, aka an opportunity for me to choose. Was I going to go back into, you know, being unfulfilled, going back to diminishing my faith and beliefs? Was I going to go back into that, you know, side of myself? 
or was I going to stand my ground and was I going to affirm that, yes, I am Muslim and these are my beliefs. I do believe in wearing hijab. I do believe in being, you know, a covered Muslim woman. I do believe in doing a great job at my job. And no, I'm not preaching and, you know, doing a chutbah or anything, you know, at work. But, you know, part of, you know, my faith um, is wearing hijab and part of my belief is wearing hijab. And so was I going to go back into that? And the answer was no. And so, you know, I had to stand up for myself. Um, you know, I had to stand up for my rights. And at times it was just my voice standing up for my rights. And Alhamdulillah, Allah, you know, instilled in me that, you know, this idea of creating BUNHD LLC, he made that stronger in me. He made that desire to create BUNHD LLC stronger in me, all while this was going on around me, you know, in the corporate space. And, you know, he also made a way where BUNHD LLC was thriving, where I was creating these events and I was doing all of these things and I was able to replace my income that I was getting from my job, I was able to replace it. And ultimately, in March of 2017, I was able to leave. And alhamdulillah, here I am almost five years later, um, you know, I'm able to say, that alhamdulillah, you know, the business is doing well and alhamdulillah, I'm fulfilled and alhamdulillah, I'm making the impact. So long story short, you know, yes, I was discriminated against, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I will be asked, you know, from me, you know, when I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will be asked when you were presented with this test, when you were presented with this particular situation, how did you handle it? Did you have 100% faith in me or, or did you kind of doubt you know, what was going to happen. And so, you know, my answer will be, I, I trusted you 100%, inshallah. Mm, mashallah. Well, that's a beautiful answer, sister. Thank you for sharing that. We got one from Sister Jaman. She's asking if there, if there's any retreats coming up soon. So uh, uh, yeah, anything, anything planned in the books for our Muslim sisters that they can look forward to? Inshallah. So, you know, right now we are doing particularly for, you know, business. So for those women who are looking to propel their businesses forward, whether it's starting them, sustaining them or growing them. So scaling to, you know, another level, we have the 15 week Build Your Boss Biz um, program that is a virtual program. We have women that are joining us from all over the world in this program. So we will have, it is a hybrid program. So partial live sessions and then partial uh, pre-recorded sessions. And again, a full 15 week program. Program. It starts June 4th. So we have that that is coming up. I'm also in the works. I'm talking to a sister, um, inshallah, who um, I will be doing the first live event since COVID started, um, inshallah. I'm thinking about doing it in Chicago. Uh, so inshallah, it will be a retreat-like. And of course, uh, for the past um, almost two years, we've been doing a, a retreat, a virtual retreat um, in the summertime. So inshallah, we will, we, we will continue that. Um, and inshallah, we will do some type of virtual retreat because there are still some parts of the world, some parts of the U.S. that are still very much um, in quarantine. So we want to be cognizant of um, that. But my goal is mm -hmm. to, inshallah, slowly start to open up the in-person uh, retreats, small groups. So I'm thinking a group of about 30 or 40 women for the Chicago uh, one. And virtually, there's no cap. Uh, we had uh, 100 uh, women uh, one time, uh, you know, meet virtually. So that was probably our biggest audience that we had um, last year. So, and we normally do a three-day re retreat, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, one of the other things that we're talking about is wellness. So, you know, our mental, uh, you know, state during this time, we're going through so much, you know, from a for spiritual, uh, you know, financial, our families, our children, et cetera. So, um, you know, we're trying to hit all 
of those uh, you know pockets. It definitely. I'm well, breathing. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always up to so much. And I mean, we're together on Clubhouse every week. You're, you're coming on this podcast. There's so much that you're doing all the time. But mashallah, you know, the Medica is is there, is there, and that's what allows you to keep going. That's yeah, the case for me too. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, sis, where can people go? Uh, one last call to action we can give them. I know we dropped hanimadolivera.com. So is that the best place for them to go as well for the retreats to stay up to date? Best place to go. Everything right. that you want to know about, any way, play, way that you want to connect with me, it's, it's there. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I hang out mostly on Instagram. So okay. uh, if you are on Instagram, please follow on Instagram. Follow the both of us, uh, B-U-N-H-D and Umrapreneur, inshallah. Uh, we're, we've got things planned. <laughs> we, have, we have work Amazing. to do. Amazing. You know, Definitely. That's true. That's true. And I was just talking to um, my students today and I was, uh, we were talking about, you know, setting, reviewing our goals and, and updating them for the year. And I was like, wow, this is already halfway through the year, right? Month five, we're already in May. SubhanAllah. And you think back and to be honest, for me, at least I just, if passed in the blink of an eye, passed in the blink of an eye, it was so quick. SubhanAllah, so quick. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely lots more to do. We still have half a year, so time to time to up the grind, inshallah, and, and do the best we can the do. That's it. The metal. Let's go. That's it. Well, sis, Jazakallah khair for coming on this podcast, for being here with me, for sharing your insights, your wisdoms with our audience. And to be honest, uh, these are not my comments, but those of the audience. It was an extremely powerful session, and I can attest to this myself. I'm honored to have been able to do this with you. And guys, please make sure to go and check out hanimedeolivera.com. We have it right here up on screen. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast, we'll have it in the description of the episode in the episode notes. And also make sure to grab a copy of her book, Pray and Grow Rich. A lot of what we talked about today is actually discussed in a lot more detail in the book. And she elaborates on it and shares not only, you know, not, not only addressing the issues and what we can improve on, but then giving you guys actual strategies to, to actually fix, you know, those areas and, and help inshallah level up in life spiritually, financially, uh, in a holistic, uh, in a holistic way, inshallah. So make sure to check that out, order it on her website or Amazon. And as well, if this is your first time, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple podcast, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care guys. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.